Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Commissioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. My name is Beth Beal, and I'm the Executive Director for an orphanage called Vida Hoven, which is in Tijuana, Mexico. And Beth is broadcasting from Mexico today. So exciting. Yeah, Viva Mexico. Um, Beth, what are you seeing right out your front window? Can you tell everybody? Yeah, I am um, looking out at the ocean. I'm, I'm actually in Rosarito, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at huge palm branches and some bougainvillea and ocean and birds. And yeah, it's definitely a little slice of paradise mm-hmm. where I am. So nice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being with us today. And would you share with everybody a little bit more about your ministry context so we know a little bit more about what you're doing, what you do there? Sure. So, uh, Vida Hoven is a, a binational collaboration between the U.S. and Mexico. And specifically what that means is that there are a bunch of children in Tijuana who either are on the street or have been abandoned by their parents and are living in unsafe places. Vida Hoven exists to rescue those children from danger. The U.S. part comes in because um, Mexico simply doesn't have the, the infrastructure to fund these kind of orphanages. And so generous and loving folks from the United States make sure that these kids have a safe home by providing the funds that give these kids the love and protection and schooling that they need. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. I work primarily with our donors, um, but I'm also very much involved with the orphanage itself. I go there a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, would you share then a little bit about um, where you saw God this past week in your life? So I'll turn that question upside down and say, here's where I think God saw me. I think, um, I think God saw me being fully alive when I was reading the third book in the science fiction trilogy. I've never been a science fiction person. And, um, I think, you know, if I'm going to put God's name on this, I will go ahead and claim that I think God likes it when we grow and expand our own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so I, now become a science fiction reader mm-hmm. and specifically I'm a big fan of N.K. Jemison. and I think I would like to think it delighted God to see me delighting in this incredible writing mm-hmm. um, by a woman who won awards that other people have not won for her trilogy so I am just in awe of her and I would like to think that when I'm in awe of something beautiful and good in this world that God is like a parade so mm-hmm. I think that's when God saw me this week was all the times I rolled up with N.K. Jemison. Awesome. Cool. And what's the name of that series? <sighs> Let me tell you. <laughs> this one is called the Broken Earth Trilogy. Mm-hmm. And um, I would also put in a plug here saying that, you know, in, in our world where black lives matter and more people are waking up to the fact that black lives matter, I think it's really important to read black writers. Yep. And N.K. Jemison is an African-American woman Um so yeah, this is her Broken Earth trilogy. She has other trilogies and one duology and some standalone books, and I can't wait to read all of them. Um, but yes, I'm currently on book three of the Broken Earth trilogy, and if you're not a science fiction person, dive in. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. 
And then Beth, if if people want to learn more about Vita Hoven, how what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so if, if we weren't in the pandemic, I would encourage people if they're in the San Diego area to come visit the kids. We do group trips, but that's not happening right now. So our website is vitahovendemexico.org. Actually, if you just go on and Google Vita Hoven Tijuana, mm-hmm. it'll bring up our website. Got it. So go there and remember this. There are kids in danger. Mm-hmm. They need to be rescued. That's what Vita Hoven's doing. If that touches your heart, explore something else in the world to make your heart come alive. All right. Well, we in, invite everybody to go check it out, read more about, and learn about about Vita Hoven. Yeah. Okay. Well, we do want to hear from you. Uh, we would love to hear if any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can email us faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, uh, where you can also follow f- find all of the faith to go resources www.myfaithtogo.org, and you can contact us and follow us on Instagram at faith to go. So we're going to move into the gospel now. Uh, we are in the week leading up to September 6th, which is proper 18 uh, from Matthew chapter 18. Charlotte is going to read the gospel and then we will each take, uh, you know, four minutes or so to share a point from the gospel that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion or reflection. So Charlotte's going to read Matthew 18. Verses 15 to 20. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, Truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, So we are, for the the last few weeks, actually, we've been kind of plodding along here in Matthew's gospel, one story after the other, in a pretty linear way. Uh, the last thing we heard was um, Jesus rebuking Peter uh, and talking about the cross and self-denial. So that was the very end of chapter 16. We, as you can tell, have skipped all of chapter 17, uh, which includes the Transfiguration because we already read that. on. Uh, it would have been read on Transfiguration Sunday, which was a feast day back in the beginning of August. And then Jesus has been just kind of moving around, moving around uh the region of Galilee, con- just constantly going back and forth in boats across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, just a lot of boat time. And uh, now is doing this teaching for the disciples as they prepare to make their way to Jerusalem. What we hear today in today's gospel is Jesus trying to communicate to them how things are going to need to go when they don't have Jesus, their leader, to go to to figure out things. 
they don't have Jesus to go to to tell them what to do when someone sins against another person or they need to figure something out within their community. In this gospel today, we get the clear sense from Jesus that authority lies in the community. So authority doesn't isn't just kind of relative to the person, but decisions are made and conversations are had in the context of a, a large community of people. So I have the first point today and I am just I'm really intrigued by um, the, the kind of like various steps of dealing with conflict, the various steps of bringing uh, suffering and challenges and sin um, to people who have caused that kind of suffering for a person um, to bring up sources of conflict and tension and frustration in community. And he gets to the end here and, is, and says, you know, if none of these things work, then let, let that person, let that group of people maybe be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And whenever I, whenever, when I read that, my first reaction is to think, oh, Jesus is saying, you've tried everything you can. Just let that person go. You know, that you're never going to get that person. You're never going to figure it out. Just let that be the end. It's okay to end that relationship, right? But then I then to think about it, to think about Jesus's relationship to Gentiles and to tax collectors, to me, means that he's saying almost the opposite thing, something very different, because um, because this is the Gospel of Matthew. And in Matthew's Gospel, the character of Matthew, the disciple, is a tax collector. You know, he's one of Jesus's followers. Jesus is always is always in community with tax collectors. And we just got through talking about Jesus's kind of pivot towards not just Jewish people as members of, you know, the, of God's beloved, God's family of the kingdom of heaven, but the Canaanite woman and, and all of the, in all the nations of the earth, you know, by the end of the gospel. And so I'm thinking about this moment right now in our, in the United States, uh, thinking about black lives matter, thinking about the, instances of uh, police brutality in the last number of months and then just recently with Jacob Blake this past week and the NBA players boycotting and the and the a lot of pretty much all of sports shutting down again as a boycott not because of the coronavirus and and this ongoing national conversation and the frustration that I feel that I that I hear from people saying We've been, we have been saying this for so long and nothing is changing. We, it seemed like we were, everyone was pretty clear a few of this last couple months and still Jacob Blake gets shot in the back seven times. Um, and it, in that moment, it may, it can, it feels like, what is it going to take? Like, it seems like you've gone through all the levels that Jesus has ascribed and nothing has changed and people aren't no one is listening um but in this moment jesus's word is jesus's direction is there is no giving up and we never give up because in this there's a really cool way that jesus talks about what can happen when two when two parties can reconcile because what he says in the very beginning is if the member listens to you you have regained that one but that word regained isn't just like you've 
come back to where you were before. But it's like a trade word. It's like you have you have traded one thing for a better thing. You have profited. You both have gained in some way. So that when we have a cutoff in a relationship and we reconcile that relationship, we're actually in a deeper relationship with the other person than we were before. And so that what we are what we are working towards, what we never give up on, what the mission field is there for, is that we have this promise from Jesus that if we can reconcile, if we can be back in relationship with one another, it can actually be better than it ever has been, that we have the possibility of a deeper sense of community than we ever have had before, and that it can be better in the end. Yeah, and I think, David, though, I'd like to yes and that a little bit, because for me, I think that we're also called to that work within ourselves, um, to honoring that constant challenge to to live into what is best for us and our own personal relationship um, with our bodies, with our souls, with our hearts, and with God. Um, and that there are times in that, and I know that this is not what you were saying, but there are times in that 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 requires us to walk away from things that are no longer healthy for us, mm-hmm. that no longer serve us. Um, and that this call for racial justice is not that. That is something that we need to be committed to forever. But it's also really important for each person as they analyze their own personal life and their own experiences that we allow room for the fact that you are supposed to try again in love, but then you also are supposed to love yourself and love your relationship with God and see yourself as a blessed child. And if something is not healthy for you, you do not stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not about sacrificing our, we have to be well in order to, do that work. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Mm-hmm. Self-care is important. Mm-hmm. So Beth, you have point number two. Yes. <clears throat> so I was given this gospel passage yesterday and asked to just think about it. And um, most of it really didn't interest me. But there were two words that stood out to me. And those words are bind and loose, binding and loosening. This, I think the verse itself said something about it. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Um, <clears throat> I have no idea what the heaven part means, except that um, perhaps it, it suggests that our actions have consequences that reach far beyond anything we can imagine. Um, for me, the significance, sort of the beauty and the, the, the seriousness of the words binding and loosening um, has to do with how uh, those words speak truth and possibility and challenge into my personal relationships and also into the work with Vita Hoven. So I'll specifically talk about the work with Vita Hoven. Um, so the word binding, like the word loosening to me, and this is Beth Beal talking, you know, I don't, I didn't look up any secondary sources on any of this, but for me, the the words have possibility and problem. For binding, the idea is that we can take something unto ourselves and have a commitment, or we can bind ourselves to someone or to something else. And in that act of binding, we become changed. Um, so I bind myself to the to the welfare, to the present, to the future of these children I serve. 
and that's the possibility part because we know that when we bind ourselves to others, that in, that intimacy of commitment mm-hmm. calls out things within us that we perhaps didn't know we had. So mm-hmm. it's a it's an opportunity for growth. The challenge part is that sometimes when I bind myself to another or when I bind another unto myself, um, that I inadvertently end up then constraining them and locking them into a box. And and in the work at Vita Hova and what that looks like, this is a binational um, collaboration. And I have seen it happen over and over again. And I have um, certainly participated in this as well, that very well-meaning and well-tensioned people will come and visit the children once or twice. And with their well-meaningness and their well-intentionedness, they will be very confident that they know that they have something that they want to give the children. And I have learned after doing this, I think I'm in my seventh year, that um, it takes a long time to have any sense at all of what's really needed by these kids. Mm-hmm. And um, so sometimes when we bind ourselves to someone, we we constrict them and we we then, it becomes easy to see the kids through our own agendas, through our own prejudices, through our own desire to make ourselves feel better about the difference we're making in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the possibility and the, the peril of the word binding. Mm-hmm. Loosening, I guess it's just, it's more of the same, that ideally with these children, um, you know, we, we loosen them from the ba- from the ba- binds of danger, whether that be in the street, home, whatever it is, we loosen them from those dangers. And ideally then we free them to live in the world as whole or human beings. Um, but sometimes loosening becomes an easy way out. Sometimes, um, well, obviously what works for one child does not work for another. So one child comes into the orphanage, um, having been freed from the danger of the streets and they are ready to soar quite quickly. Um, and in our impatience with kids who aren't ready to soar, um, sometimes it may be that we expect things of them that they are not yet ready to do, um, that they are not yet capable of doing. And we actually need to let them bind themselves unto us a little longer mm-hmm. and in ways that require a little more of us emotionally. Um, so that's my pondering about binding and listening. It also has lots of implications in my personal relationships, but I, I put those words out there on the table before us and say, in what ways we bind that are positive? In what ways do we bind that are constricting? In what ways that do we loosen that are truly liberating? In what ways mm-hmm. do we loosen that are premature and damaging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So David, I think that brings us to point number three, which is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and point number three, we're going to go all the way to the end of this gospel. And it's going to be a verse that's probably very familiar for all of you. Um, in fact, I think if you've ever been in church anywhere, you have probably heard this verse many, many times. Um, and that is, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And as I sat with this verse this week, I thought about the times that that verse has brought me comfort. Um, when I have been gathered in the sanctuary of the church, surrounded by the other people that attend there, friends and acquaintances and children, and 
um, the aged and infirmed and all of those people and realizing that those people that are gathered in that space are the church and how their presence is connective for me. It's part of how I experience God. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's part of who I am as a person is how I connect to all of these people that I've, that that connection informs two or three gathered in their name. And it's brought me comfort. And I would say even joy over the course of my life. And yet now when I sit with that verse, all I can think about is, oh my goodness, I just want to be with two or three people. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry to like say it by now, but we are in such a different place now. And gathering with two or three people, well, right now it looks like the three of us on Skype recording this podcast. I don't get to sit in the room with my friends David and my friend Beth um, and talk about this together and laugh about it together. We have to navigate internet connections and technology, and we have to make the best of the situation that we're in. And that looks that way for churches. Um, certainly, you know, with everybody transitioning to online worshiping formats and trying to remain connected with people who don't have access to technology and or um, don't have the ability to navigate the technology, which is certainly true for many of our older parishioners in every church environment. And the way that they are growing is another testament to God's love, you know, in learning these new skills at age 80 when you really shouldn't have to be learning new skills. Um, But the need to gather, whether it is physically, which is what I think so many of us crave so deeply, or virtually, which is what we have at this moment, um, resounds with all of us. And I just want to name some of the places that I have seen that in my own life. I see it in the ways churches have transitioned to online worship, whether it be via Zoom or Facebook premiere and the comment sections and all of that. Um, I see it in the opportunity for Skype and for FaceTime and for Google Meets and all of those opportunities. Um, There's house party and all of those ways that people are laughing and sharing joy together. And God is in those places too. But for me particularly, I think especially in the last few weeks, the place I have seen it most often, that gathering, that unexpected connectedness to each other and to God, has been through my text messages. It's that moment when someone just takes the the three seconds to send you a note to say that they're thinking about you, um, that they're wondering how you are doing, to send you a ridiculous meme that is going to make you laugh, um, to share a heart-rending story of something that has happened to them. And even though they can't be with you face-to-face, instead they take their soul and they pour it out through their keyboard. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are all places where I see us gathering together and God moving through them, particularly for me. But with that movement, I also want to name something that I see that's hard in it. And maybe this has goes back to Beth's naming of the complexity just a little bit ago. How we gather is important. Not necessarily where, but how. And just as often as we reach out with kindness, compassion, and love, there are also a lot of times when we are on the internet and what we are saying there to each other does not come from that same place. Maybe it comes from a place of judgment. Maybe it comes from a place of fear. But to me, I see a warning in that, that we don't get to unsee or unhear or unexperience those times when our fear or frustration has gotten the best of us. It's harder to offer that forgiveness and compassion after we have said those 
things. Mm-hmm. And so maybe in those opportunities when we're navigating the new ways in which we gather together, maybe there's also a call to pause, to think before we speak, to offer ourselves grace in the world, world grace around us, to make it really simple to just keep scrolling. But I would say that as much as there is connection, there is opportunity in those places for us to be disconnected. And I think that there's a warning in this scripture about this too, because we've heard it in the binding and the loosening. We've heard it about gathering in God's name. And that means all the places and all the ways in which we gather. Mm-hmm. So that is three points that we have made. Uh, the first point was mine, and it was about uh, the line of Jesus to for people to be like Gentiles and tax collectors uh, once we've gone through all these ways of trying to connect and that that means we they become to us an important focus of uh, the good news of the kingdom of heaven that we don't give up on people uh, but that we continue to to be in relationship and to strive for deep deeper relationship and for reconciliation Number two was Beth's, and it was about the complexities of binding and loosing, the way that uh, either of those can be positive or negative, can have um, adverse effects, and can also help to build build ourselves up and to build up other people and communities. And then number three was Charlotte's, and it was about the challenges right now of gathering, but the ways that we still are able to gather, the ways we are still able to feel Jesus' presence in those gatherings of two or three and how important it is in this moment to be aware of how we are gathering, uh, if we are gathering in a connected way or a disconnected way, and to pay attention to ourselves and to be compassionate in that. So having heard that uh, conversation, we invite you to go back and read the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, um, September 6th, proper 18, from Matthew verse Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, www.myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us and follow us on Instagram at faith2go. And thank you, Beth, for being here. There you go. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Uh, thanks again, Beth. Thank you, Charlotte. And until next time, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.